we are back episode eight of unintentional grounding my name is ian wind as always i am joined by my co-host good high school friend who i will be seeing soon at our old high school for our five-year reunion very excited about that he is the one and only josh hoffman what's up josh how are you what's up dude yeah i'm excited for that reunion what two weeks away now three weeks away now it's getting it's getting close yeah, I'm so I'm so excited to, to get to go back on campus. Um, for those who don't know, Josh and I went to boarding school together in Western Massachusetts at a school called Northfield Mount Hermon, which is just a, it's a beautiful place, and we had so many good memories there, and just an amazing experience that we're both I'm sure you know really grateful to have and have had. And uh, it'll be nice to go back and see some classmates, uh, see some of the staff members that are still there that were there when we were there and yeah just really looking forward to that um i signed up at the last possible minute josh signed up way earlier than me um but i was like i wouldn't i wouldn't say way early it was just a couple days earlier yeah but like you always knew you were going and i was on the fence i was like uh you know it costs some money to go i don't have a job right now but i was like at the end of the day it's such a good opportunity and to, to just go back and, and be part of that world again. And those opportunities don't happen that often. Absolutely. So I figured it'd be great to, to take advantage of that. And anyways, oh. I'm really looking forward to that. Also a plus is that the classes below us are actually going, which never happens. Um, so I think the two classes below us because of the pandemic, the past two years haven't had the reunion. So in past, you know, normal reunions are, you know, you get the five years and then you want ending in a, a five go. So you have 10 year difference between everyone there or more. But this year we actually have people who we went to school with, which is kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That That's another thing that I didn't realize was the case with past reunions. So that'll be really cool to see some of the people that we knew from from the classes uh, a little younger than us as well. Uh, anyways, getting into the pod, we have a fun pod today. Um, we're actually going to start with something a little different. Uh, you know, Josh and I have mentioned you know, in the pod before that mental health is something that's very important to us. And it turns out that May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. And yes, it's, it is May 24th. So maybe we're a little late on this. <laughs> but we've been thinking for a while now that we wanted to start doing a consistent section somewhere in each episode, uh, where we talk about mental health related topics, whether that be articles, anything in current events or the news, maybe even certain studies. Uh, there's a lot of you know personal growth on, on each of our ends as well. Uh, and I think that we can share insights from that. Um, and you know in the future we're probably going to have guests on the podcast too and, and we and they might even talk about some of these things with us. So really excited to start this section. Um, and yeah, I guess to just get right into it for today, we figured we would just talk a little bit about some tips uh, or, or, or just really important things to do in your life that can really make a big difference, you know, to your overall happiness and, and to your mental health. And that's really important. Um, so, you know, actually, you know what, Josh, why don't you start off first and then I I will go after you on this one. Okay. Sounds good. So, um, yeah, for me, I just wanted to touch on, you know, some some of the keys that I've found over the past couple of years um, as someone who had like a pretty drastic fall slash drop in my mental health a few times over the years. Like uh, back in college, I took a year off because college just was the worst setting for me after a few years. I had uh, 
you know, my first couple years of college were super amazing. And then like a lot of the friends that I had were either seniors or international students or something. So they'd left, um, you know, and I, we were selling my house in Western Mass. And like, there was just things that like, I didn't really put completely, I didn't really recognize as being factors to why I was kind of struggling. And then last year during the pandemic, I just, you know, I pretty much just hit rock, rock bottom because I was taking care of my grandma, who's pretty old, and most of my family's pretty old. So just constantly having to worry about uh, getting the virus and giving it to them. Um, so I just, you know, I was cooped up and like it was also in the winter and it was cold and just like a lot of things that don't, you know, I need to be active. I need to be busy. I need to socialize, you know, all these things. Um, so just some of the things that I found that I really needed to discover was how to get my day to day being consistent, whether or not I have like a, a nine to five job or not, you know, I need to do things for myself that are really good. Um, and those things were pretty simple for, and a lot of people do them, but I don't think everyone really like fully acknowledges how powerful and impactful these things could be. So for me, I just, you know, good sleep. I've never had a good consistent sleep pattern for since high school. Cause you know, back in high school, we'd be busy all day and then do homework until 10 or midnight or whatever or however long it took to get it done and as a student who didn't board you know my nights weren't always doing homework until I got home which would be you know 8 to 10 at night so um getting a better sleep schedule or at least getting good consistent you know six to eight hours minimum um I think it was really helpful and then waking up and you know I, I've started kind of counting calories to a certain degree when I'm really trying to eat healthy and just in terms of more so watching the binge eating and just, you know, whenever I'm hungry per se, you know, quote unquote hungry, uh, snacking on something and so more just eating healthy around a day, having, you know, the intermittent fasting where I'm not eating past eight, nine at night and then waking up and eating at, you know, 11 or something. Um, but having a good brunch or a good breakfast, you know, eating clean, light, you know, have, I often have eggs or smoothies, oatmeal, um, you know, type of stuff in the morning that's just light and clean vegetables, fiber, you know, all that stuff that is really good for, you know, feeling full and feeling clean and not like you're putting garbage food in your body. Um, other thing, you know, exercise, of course, you know, everyone needs exercise. A lot of us, I think as we get older, when there's less structure in life and if you don't go to a gym, it's a little harder to kind of do it on a daily basis. Um, but you know, I found that just literally just being outside, walking, running. I play a lot of basketball these days. Um, those things are all just really, really good outlets. Um, just being outside, getting sun, moving your legs, you know, as someone who's, you know, I play a lot of games or I'm just on my computer a lot or whatever, you know, just sitting, sitting happens a lot. So being out is great. Um, I think something that I really had to kind of teach myself and learn about myself is having a positive self-image. I know that's something that just the average person probably doesn't have like a great grasp on. Uh, kind of have to love yourself before you really can get the most out of other people's affirmations and love towards you. You know, I think like that can fill you up and carry you on. But if you hate yourself or you just you don't like how you are as a person or something about your life, it's it's harder to really, I think, appreciate and get the full value out of other people's affirmations towards you yeah and just to jump in there i find i found that that's been really important for me over the last two years especially um so much about so much about having a positive self-image and loving yourself for me at least has been about 
finding the balance or the fine line between not being too hard on yourself about things, you know, while also still trying to maintain responsibility and putting in effort to get things done or to progress in whatever way one is trying to progress. And I've just experienced myself that finding that balance can be really hard because on the one hand, you want to be really hard on yourself, you know, not, not, not that, not that comparing yourself or your situation to someone who is more successful or, or someone who has something that you want, that's not necessarily a good thing to do. However, you do want to feel that motivation towards achieving whatever you're trying to achieve. So the question is, well, how do you, how do you be motivated to do that? You know, in a way that ends up being productive and not counterproductive if you're too hard on yourself and you you allow sort of the self-talk uh, to, to, to occur in, in, a, in a much more negative way. You, de- you definitely don't want that either. So yeah, I just wanted to hop in there just to say that because I've, I've really experienced that and then the power of recognizing that and really trying to find that balance is, has been a something that's really helped me and and I've realized its importance over time. Yeah. I mean, the balance is huge. I think social media is just, it's, it's so good in a lot of ways in terms of, you know, you, you can connect with so many people, you can be out talking, look up whatever, you know, sports, life, whatever, anything you can find and do on social media, you keep up with your friends, whatever. But it's also kind of a hole where you see the rest of the world progressing in certain ways. And often, you know, Social media is also kind of like, you know, it's a bit of a lie at the same time, you know, because you can crop images, you can do whatever the hell you want to it. So, you know, but it's it's a hole where you look at the rest of the world and they're in this great spot. And if you're not in a great spot, it could just be even more devastating. So I think just realizing for myself that what I do does not matter to anyone else. Like, you know, I mean, you know, you know, and that, that, that was not the right wording for it, but like, I don't really care what other people think of me at this point. You know, I, I, you know, I want the people who, around me who are close to me to know that, like, I care about them. But at the same time, it's like, what I do doesn't matter. You know, I, I'm just, you got to figure out your own life and there's stepping stones along the way. And some people do things quicker and faster, but just because, you know, someone is, makes a lot of money or appears successful doesn't mean they're happy. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, success does not necessarily equate to happiness. Um, so another thing I'd say is meditation has been something Meditation and yoga are two things that I really do to regroup, recharge, just, you know, it relaxes the body, stimulates the body, um, relaxes the mind. Um, and all those are kind of because I stuff like I just struggle with motivating myself on a daily basis. Uh, but those things kind of raise up my level of awareness on that and kind of keep me motivated when I'm doing those, all those things regularly on a daily basis. Um, and I think that's that's my biggest downfall always is just struggling with motivation to kind of do everything that I need to do. Um, but when I'm in a good place and doing them, you know, I feel great, I feel fantastic. And I think the last thing is just you you know you got to live in gratitude for all the little things you have, um, big or little. But you know, I think especially just day to day, it's it's sometimes comparing yourself to the world can actually be helpful in terms of you. We have so many great things in our lives. You know, even if we don't feel that way, we really do. So just appreciating all the little things is really, really big sometimes. Um, so yeah, those would probably be mine. I know we probably overlap in a lot of ways, but what would you say are yours? Yeah, we, there's definitely some overlap. And I think ending on the, the gratitude point is a good segue because one of the things that I wanted to talk about 
was that about a month or maybe, yeah, maybe a month ago or a little bit more, I started doing this gratefulness exercise where every morning I would write down in a notebook um, three things that I was grateful for that morning. And I would also write something after that to the effect of basically just anything that I could write that would like instill confidence in myself and my and and a good reminder that like how like my success is is so determined my success and happiness is so determined by my mental state and so it's all within my ability my it's all within the power of of my mind and how I think to help me get to that point and I feel like so there's two things there there's that and there's the gratefulness for that the idea is basically just to remind myself that I control my destiny right that is such an important thing to 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 consistently remind oneself about and and i'm actually gonna loop back to that point in a second but then on the gratefulness side of things it's exactly what you said it's so important to be grateful for the things that we do have whether they're little or they're big you know sometimes i literally will just write like i'm grateful for this person right like it could be my mom one day, it could be my sister, it could be you, it could be a different friend. Like, it's just, it's so easy to take everything for granted. And, and you know, there's no such thing as days being guaranteed, right? Like crazy things happen in life and you never know how long you're going to be around or not around for or, 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 you know, the same for your loved ones. So I always, I really try to emphasize people in addition to, things you know it's not not just like a material thing or you know something like that but all really it's it's about relationships too i think so that exercise has been really helpful to me just because it starts the day off so well right like when you start the day before you do anything really you're thinking about the things that you're grateful for it's it's harder to have bad days when you're already happy and you're already putting yourself in a position to be happy and be, maybe even be a little bit more motivated, right? Because you're thinking about those things and you're like, this, I am doing this, I am doing whatever I am doing partially for these things or these people, right? I have, so, I have a quick question about, so when you're writing that stuff down, are you trying to do something different every day or, or, or is it like, you know, totally fine if it, one of those things is virtually the same thing? Yeah. So, so I always make an effort to do something different. And so for example, but it doesn't have to be like a completely different thing, right? It, it's just, you want to have, you want to try to have some novelty. And so often what it ends up being is it ends up being a reflection on the previous day or the day to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if I was go, so the other day I went, I went back upstate to hang out with my family for a little bit. Um, and my sister and I went to, we went on a hike, um, at this like beautiful place called the Mohawk mountain reserve, I think is what it's called. Um, and so in the past I may have written something in my gratefulness journal about Kendall, my sister, but if I was going to write something about that specific experience, either that morning or the morning after I would have said something I would have said something about her, but in the context of the experience that we had or that we were about to have, you know, whether it was like something funny or that happened on the hike or, or that we were talking about something or, you know, she just got into photography recently. So like 
you know, just any little thing like that, but that also has some variations. Um, of course, it's okay to repeat stuff, right? Right. There, there yeah. are certain things that, <clears throat> excuse me, there are certain things that are really important that are going to come up multiple times in your life. So I, it's not like it's, there's no, there's no such thing as doing this the wrong way, right? It's just whatever you yeah. want to do. I just find that by putting twists on things like that, it, it's, it's helpful because eventually if you, if you always write the same thing, then it definitely loses some of the, the exercise loses some of its value, I would say. So, Absolutely. so yeah, I, I definitely try to mix that up a little bit. I think um, it's like, I think it's a really good exercise in being present as well. Like granted you don't, they don't, everything doesn't have to be about the present when you're writing something like that. But I think being present is something that at least for me, I, I really value because I am a person who lives in the present and probably should look down the road a little more just in terms of goals and whatnot. But I think it's also really valuable to live in the present and not be disrupted by things in the past or, or things you can't control, right? Like you get to appreciate what you have and what you are controlling when you do an exercise like that. In, yeah. In my, in my opinion. Definitely. And, and to that end, um, I, what I would say is the, one of the biggest things that's helped me, and I didn't even write this down actually, but I'm glad I just thought of it now. Sometimes I will, I will literally just write down in my notes section um, I will just write down something along the lines of, um, you know, like not all days are good. Certain days are going to be good ones. Certain days are going to be bad. You have to put the bad days in the past and just move on. And also recognize that the good days are actually, or sorry, the bad days are actually what define the good days, if that makes sense, right? Like if Absolutely, there was, yeah, for sure. if every day was a good day or every day was a bad day, there would be no difference, right? So it's, yeah. that's how I, that's my way of like processing when a day is good or bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, you got to have some measuring stick per se. Yeah. So, so that's really important. And then just another, you know, everyone, this is not something that, you know, everyone knows this but i just think it's it's so important that it bears repeating and that is don't have high expectations um because high expectations often result in in disappointment um it's so easy to set ourselves up to be disappointed when we have high expectations but that doesn't and that's that's just to be very clear that's not to say that you shouldn't you know that someone shouldn't work really hard to accomplish their goals you know, to work towards being happy or to be successful for whatever that means for each person. It's not like, okay, I don't have high expectations. Now I'm not going to put in any effort to anything. Like that's definitely not what I'm saying. You should still put in a lot of effort, but just don't expect a lot out of it because eventually if you work really hard with low expectations, you'll find yourself in a pretty good place, I think. Um, so much of like how we determine happiness sometimes and success is, is, is by comparing our situation to some illusory benchmark or whatever. And, you know, really, I think it's helpful to remove that benchmark from, from our thinking and, and we end up benefiting a lot more in the long run. So yeah, that, that, so gratefulness exercise expectations. And then the last piece that I wanted to say, which relates back to what I initially said about writing that last line of something that is confident, confidence inspiring, that reminds me that everything is in my own 
my destiny is within my own, you know, hands and ability is to have a growth mindset. And what I mean by a growth mindset is basically believe that wherever you are currently, that you can improve and get better at something and learn more as time goes on. And of course, many, it's obvious when you say it like that, but a lot of people, and including myself, have have noticed, I've really noticed recently that I'm, I actually employ a fixed mindset a lot more than I want to. And this is one thing that I'm really trying to change. I, I often have a tendency to think like, oh, maybe I am just however smart I am and like that's never going to change or however successful I am. But having a growth mindset really makes a difference. And, you know, I read some studies about how there were like, they did, you know, they gave some students like some math problems or whatever. And like some of the students had growth mindsets and some of them had fixed mindsets. And the ones with growth mindsets benefited in the long run because, you know, even if they weren't getting everything right, they were just more open to learning how to do something and and making mistakes and going through that process, which in turn builds a lot of resilience yeah, and helps to build character and inspire, you know, more effort. Whereas the kids with a more, more of a fixed mindset kind of weren't resi- as resilient and it was almost their mindset that was making it harder for them to, to, you know, to do well in this experiment as opposed to their actual intelligence. That's sort of the point of the experiment, I think. So you know, I just think having a growth mindset is really important. And, and um, one of the things I'm working on really recently is to try to employ a growth mindset in my day to day. It's it's one thing to say, okay, I should have a growth mindset. It's another thing to figure out like, okay, how do I, how do I actually employ that in my day to day in in ways that work best for me? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's, it's really easy to be set in your ways and set in your beliefs and feel like there's minimal growth or whatever so no i think i think that's a good one that i also should probably employ in my daily life or not even daily life just life in general but yeah i mean i i you know everything we've talked about i think is incredibly essential for anyone you know a lot of people may have these a lot of people may not but i think you know developing ways to implement you know even the smallest things to help boost our mental health are just they're pretty underrated um, cause you, you really do need them, especially if you're struggling in any way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another, just as a good way to close up this segment, you know, uh, something really important to recognize is that we, you know, you and I just said a bunch of, of things that could help people. It's not like, like it's on each person to figure out how to combine these this set of stuff and other things that we didn't mention in the way that works best for them with their daily schedule and their you know all of their things going on in life to the, Absolutely. you know in to to combine all of that in in a way or implement that in a way that's best for them right like for me i actually haven't been doing as much meditation lately but I do do a lot of jujitsu, which is a is sort of a combination in a way of being mindful, but also being very, you know, you're working very hard physically. It's exercise. It's yeah. physical exercise too. And I found, I found that being at the gym doing jujitsu, it's on the one hand, like, yes, you're scrambling and, and you're very physically active, but on the other hand, it's so cerebral that it's like, 
it's just the thing that forces you to be so present because Mm -hmm. if you take your mind off of being present for even the slightest moment you can get put in a situation in a dangerous situation for yourself right and you don't want that to happen so you know that's just an example of how like i've found a way to implement a couple of the things that we just mentioned into like one activity in my in my day or in my week that really really helps me and it's just important that everyone know like you have to find what works best for you but our hope you know i think i speak on your behalf too here is our hope is that you know this everything that we mentioned in this segment can be a good place for anyone to start or anyone to add to you know wherever they are at in that process yeah absolutely um anyways glad we did this section and now we're going to move on to the sports part of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) um so the last time that we were here we talked a little bit about UFC 274 and we talked about the NBA playoffs at that time which was about two weeks ago I think Boston Boston and Milwaukee were like it was like maybe game five or game six I think when we recorded or somewhere around there uh since then a lot has happened so Josh I'm just going to turn it over to you you can catch us up on what's happened since the last pod and then if you want to just go into where we're at right now yeah, so the last pod we ended, I think it was right before game five of um of the Buck Celtics series, if I'm not mistaken. So um Celtics did end up winning that. I know I think we talked about how the Celt- I thought the Celtics were gonna win game five and maybe even game six, and then they blew game five. Um but they did win game six on the road and then kind of blew out the Bucks in game seven. I think the Bucks just ran out of steam. Um by then, I think the Heat Heat had won, so they beat the Sixers um, in six, and then the Warriors won, um, the Mavericks won, so that's kind of set up the two conference semifinals: Heat Celtics versus Warriors Mavs. Um, and real quick, say, hold on, hold on, real quick, five five minutes. We got to do five minutes on the Suns collapse. Oh yes, yeah. Um, I guess so. I, I don't, I wouldn't call it a collapse. I mean, I think the world will call it a collapse based on how, I mean, my expectations as well as the world's expectations for the Suns were that they were going to be the ones to potentially take out the Warriors, maybe get back to a final, maybe, maybe win it this year. Um, but I think the reality is, is that the Mavs are an incredibly good defensive team. The best player probably left in the playoffs is Luka Doncic um I mean you could argue for other people but I I think he's just he's on another level um so you know that combination of they forced the Suns into situations where Chris Paul wasn't getting his you know elbow shots uh DeAndre Ayton kind of became a non-factor and everything was on Devin Booker's shoulders and they just they just were able to stop him enough that they just couldn't do anything. And those the, I think all the games in Dallas were blowouts. And then game seven was just something else. They were up almost 50, I think at one point, just absurd. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, I think it was to some degree a collapse because you have Chris Paul, who's a basketball genius and you have a young superstar in Devin Booker, but the rest of the pieces kind of just didn't come together. And 
yeah, I mean, I think just the greatness of Luca showed up. Uh, his supporting cast played really well the last few games of the series. Um, but I also think there were some internal things going on. Like uh, Aiton got benched in game seven. Um, I think there's been questions about his attitude, which is why he didn't sign sign a new uh, contract to begin the year. Um, but I mean, I think truly the biggest question mark for the Suns is, well, I guess there are two. One being, can Chris Paul be a big factor on this team and lead them? And my answer would be no. I think he's proven time and time again he has to be the number two guy, even though most of his career he's been put in the position as kind of like the number one guy um, just because the ball's in his hands a lot. But I just don't think he's – there's some players that are Hall of Famers, amazing, elite uh, on multiple levels, but just aren't meant to be the number one guy um, on a championship team. Um, and, you know, maybe next year they retool a little bit and kind of give it, put that, you know, that level on Devin Booker and he's going to lead this team to glory and Chris Paul is going to help him out. Um, but, you know, we'll see on that. And then the other thing is DeAndre Ayton being number one overall pick the same year Luca, same year Trey were drafted. You know, there are a lot of good guys in that draft being the number one pick. And I, I think at some point, if you're that guy, Devin Booker and Chris Paul and Monty Williams and the whole team just needs to be in his ear being like, dude, you need to go take over. Um, and that didn't happen. I don't know if he's capable of doing it either, which is might be why, you know, he hasn't been looked at as that number one overall pick, hasn't been looked at the star of the Suns. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of question marks with the Suns going forward. But, I, I mean, I I think, yes, it was a kind of a mix of a collapse but, and uh, the Mavs and Luka just being better. I mean, I think the important... The, the other important piece here is just that it's a collapse in the sense of, okay, where was this team coming from? Like this team went to the finals last year and then they had like a historically good regular season. Not not in terms of record, but in terms of anytime this team is in the fourth quarter, they just found ways to just lock down the other team in close games and win, and win those games. You know, they were easily the best team in the league during the regular season and you know, ha- after having made the finals the year before, you know, I think everyone thought that they were going to, you know, make the finals, especially the conference finals. I mean, and, and to not even make, you know, to not even make it to the conference finals, I just think is is a disaster for this team. I don't know what happens with Aiden. I, you just mentioned everything about that, so I'm not going to mention that. But it does seem like they're now getting, it almost seems like they're getting closer to blowing this thing up than it, than than having a succinct and strong core again, you know, next year. Obviously, a lot of their guys will be back, but, like, I don't think Aiden's going to be back. Maybe he will be, whatever. But it just doesn't seem like the team that we thought they were. And no disrespect to Devin Booker and James Harden, who are both great players, although I do like to make fun of James Harden. (laughs) But, you know, they both have not... I would say that generally speaking, they have not risen to the occasion when it matters most. Um, you know, obviously Devin Booker, I believe, had a great closeout game six against the Lakers last year in the first round, if I recall correctly. Yeah. But he was, I don't recall him being very helpful, you know, in those later games of the finals last year. And then in this series, I mean, he was terrible in this last game. And I, I just, I don't know, man, I... I I like watching Devin Booker, 
Um, but but the reason why I brought that up is just because those are the two guys that Chris Paul has been the number two player on the team or number one player, arguably, you know, James Harden with the Rockets when they almost beat the Warriors a couple years ago. And then most recently with Booker. And I just, I, I guess I just feel really bad for Chris Paul because he is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best point guards ever. And yeah, I don't think he's going to win a title in his career. Um, never say never. Maybe, you know, who knows what happens next year. But at this point, I just don't think it's going to happen. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but. Yeah, you know. I, I think, I don't know if you can compare Devin Booker to James Harden in any way yet, just because James Harden is pushing the end of his career and Booker's still not even in his prime, I I would say. Um, it was just in the sense that those are the, the number two or number one best players on the Chris Paul teams that yeah. were close to winning. That's all yeah. I meant. Yeah. yeah. I, I, w- I would also say that Chris Paul has been a bit unlucky, but I would say that the Suns probably aren't going to win a chip unless they retool and really figure it out with Chris Paul being that guy. Like if he takes a secondhand role to Devin Booker, I think they have a chance. But last year they, you know, they beat the Lakers and they beat the Clippers who both had injuries slash, you know, had, were kind of the Lakers were in the playoffs, but they weren't, they had just gotten their guys back and they were trying to figure things out. And I think they, maybe AD was injured at the end or or something. Um, And then the Clippers, I think they lost Kawhi in that series. So, you know, it's, I'm not taking anything away from their playoff run because I hate that doing that, especially with the playoffs. There's always injuries, you know, injuries often define how good a team can be or how far a team will go. Um, I mean, as we saw the Raptors beating Katie, Clay Thompson in that, you know, that series when Katie and Clay both went down. Um, you know, I don't think anyone would pick the Raptors to win that if they were all healthy. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's some of those things happen. And then this year, I think they, the Pelicans kind of showed some ways that they can slow down and beat this, this Suns team. And, you know, the Mavs, Mavs figured out the Mavs were one of the better defensive teams in the league. And, that in tandem with their role players really stepping up was huge for them. Um, so yeah, so I mean, again, I guess it definitely deserved a conversation because like you said, I think the Suns were, the expectations were 100% there and well-deserved because they were historically good in crunch time uh, at the end of games during the regular season. But regular season is a different beast, from, or the playoffs is a different beast from the regular season. Like we all, we all know that the ability to match up game plan, game to game, is just so it's so different than the regular season you just you get by with so many things in the regular season that you just can't get get past in the playoffs um so just so now we'll we'll actually move into the conference finals um i think warriors as mavs is kind of a quick one to talk about um i saw a lot of stuff being like how much more can luca do after game three and i think the reality is is Sure, he could drop, try and drop 50, 60 points and really score, do everything, and try and carry this team to a victory. But I think the reality is they're just not talented enough to compete with a Warriors team. Like, game three, Luka had 40 points, 11 rebounds, and three assists. And I think those three assists is what a lot of people were talking about. You know, he was trying to do too much, wasn't passing well enough, but I don't think that's true. Brunson had 20, didn't win, he had 26. They both shot better than 50%. However, everyone else shot five for 27. That's 18% shooting, which is god-awful. They couldn't make shots, you know. There were a lot of good shots. They took a lot of good shots. Um, but, you know, the second-best player, or the fifth-best player on the Warriors would probably be the second-best player on 
the Mavericks. I think that's just how you have to look at it. And, you know, whether that's Poole, whether that's Draymond, whether that's uh, Andrew Wiggins, you know, they'll probably be the second best player on uh, the Mavericks. And they're the fifth best player on the starting lineup for the Warriors. So the Warriors are just, they're so potent offensively. They can, they're not that big, but they'll put up points and they can play pretty solid defense. So, you know, I just think the talent level, the discrepancy is just is too great for the Mavs to overcome. You know, they might get this one tonight, uh, game four at home, but I don't see the Warriors losing in in six. You know, they'll go home and win in five. I, I think that's truly the, the what, what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the odds say that the game is a complete pick em, so 50-50. Um, <laughs> definitely not touching that game from an odds perspective, but or from a betting perspective. But yeah, I mean, the Warriors, this Warriors team just seems too dynamic for the Mavs. And, you know, I think there was this hope that, like, just in the same way that LeBron did it in 2007, uh, that, you know, Luka could be, like, the one-man show carrying a team of a bunch of role players, I guess. You know, not to disrespect anyone else on the Mavs. I mean, they they got some good players, of course, but... But it, it, it seems like the Warriors just ha- kind of have it out for them. I feel like the Mavs missed Tim Hardaway in this in this series a little bit. Like He's been out for a while, and I just think that he would have given like another off- potent offensive weapon because like the guys who that they've, who they've been relying on to score are like Maxi Kleber, who's been bad. Like Reggie Bullock was 0 for 7 from 3 or something like that in the last game. Yeah, he finished 0 for 10. <laughs> <laughs> 0 for 10 the from whole 3. Game. I think I don't know if this was in the last podcast or if I had just either said this to you or to someone else outside of our our world of podcasting, but I think back then I said something along the lines of like Luca turned Re- uh Reggie Bullock into like one of the best three-point shooters. <laughs> yeah, you and I was shocked that. by that. Yeah, and 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 so now it's like okay, now he's 0 for 10. So so like like the LeBron teams, you know, I also think about 2018 Cavs, yeah. LeBron, you know, it's like so much of their success is determined by LeBron or in this case, Luka, but, but the amount of success needed to push them to the win comes from the role players too. And when the role players aren't showing up, it's just like, yeah, it's whatever. It's so. hard. It, I mean, yes, I do agree. Also, the Warriors are just awesome. Like the Warriors yeah. are awesome. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think this is more. This is more about the Warriors and the Mavs because you know they got eighty six points from Luca Brunson and Diddley in Game Three. That's a lot of points. You know, uh, they get thirty from everyone else. They have a really good shot at winning that game. Even twenty five, they get a really good shot at winning that game. Um, and I don't know if they got that. Uh, but shooting five for twenty seven as a, the rest of the guys is not a good percentage at all. Um, and, you know, I, I think that one thing I will say about Luca is that, you know, in the age of the three ball is it's easy to get trapped in that cycle of needing to shoot a three, a step back three to try and tie up the game or even it up or whatever, um, or, or just bring them closer. And the difference between that and like when LeBron is carrying those teams is he's going to the hoop. He's going to the hoop every time. Three ball wasn't, you know, I mean, I guess in 2018, it was still a big deal. But back when he was younger, you know, the three ball wasn't a thing. You weren't scoring 120 points every game. You know, these games were more under 100. So, you know, he could drop 45 and that'd be half the team's points or, you know, roughly whatever. Um, So I I think that's just a difference in in stat, like the game, how the game is developed as well. Um, But yeah, so, you know, I think Warriors are going to win this one. Another Warrior in the finals. Um, 
Granted, I would have rather seen the Suns versus Warriors, but you know, Mavs deservedly beat the Suns. Um, and this Warriors team is no joke. I think I said watching them the other day to James, my roommate, that I think the Warriors might win it. And I mean, I said that I said that to you super early on in the season. I was like, dude, this Warriors team is no joke. They're really good. I think they have a good shot at winning it. Um, however, the better the best two defensive teams in the playoffs are on the other side of the bracket. So I, I think those these teams can whoever's in the finals is gonna it's gonna be great. Yeah. Before we hop into the East, uh, like you just mentioned, I just wanna say that you know, we have that Discord channel where we post all of our bets and we have like a our history of bets and whatever and our total profit and loss. And I already even though the series isn't over yet, I already gave myself the win for picking the Warriors to win the West because <laughs> I just like I am that confident that that the Mavs are cooked. I mean whether like you said, whether they whether they win a game or not, whatever, like the Warriors are winning this series tonight or or the next game. So yeah. so yeah, uh I'm really excited to see the Warriors back in the finals. Another thing, and again we'll talk about this in future episodes, especially when the finals are on, but this is going to be Steph's year to win the MVP if if they win the series, I think. I mean, I'm not saying it's a lock, but like, you know, that's the one thing that's sort of has been elusive for a player of who who has already established, you know, so much, succeeded so much and has a great resume. He doesn't have that finals MVP still. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully for him, I guess Jordan Peele, uh, Jordan Poole <laughs> won't steal it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, let's get, let's get into the East here. All right, so uh, this series has been nuts between the Celtics and Heat. It's been it's been so wild. Uh, both teams have had absolute crazy runs. Game one, the Heat won by I think eleven, and they went on a thirty nine to fourteen run. Well, I guess they scored. That was the score of the third quarter, where they outscored the Celtics by twenty five in the first quarter, um, and that was pretty much the game. Game two, Celtics were up twenty five at the half. That was pretty much the game. Game three, Heat were up 25 at the half. Granted, the Celtics came all the way back. I think they were within one, uh, but they they weren't able to win that. And that was a crazy game because there were just injuries all over the place. Butler didn't play the second half of game three. Kyle Lowry didn't play. Robert Williams didn't play. Marcus Smart had one of the worst rolled ankles I have ever seen. He came back. Um, But then yesterday in game four, you know, we had Robert Williams back. Uh, Butler and Lowry were playing. Marcus Smart missed the game. And then the Celtics go out and win the first quarter 29 to 11 and we're up 24 at the half. And that was the game. So it's just, it's been, it's been a wild series. I can't say I've ever seen a series where this, the differentials and scores at certain points in the game were as great as they have been. Um, but that's what happens when you have two incredibly elite defensive teams, you know, defense leads to offense a lot in the playoffs and just in general in basketball. Um, and when you have two good defensive teams, you can just get stop after stop after stop, get turnovers, get free baskets. You know, you just start cooking the other team. And all of a sudden that lead, you know, blossoms to 15, 20, 25 points. Um, but I do think, I mean, I'm sure this is still some Celtics bias here that the better team is the Celtics, you know, that both game one and game three, when the heat made those massive runs, you know, the Celtics did claw back. Game one, they were within single digits. They, you know, they had chances to pull it to five. They didn't do it. Uh, and they were missing, you know, they were missing two starters in game one. Game three, you know, Heat were up 25. And then without Butler in the second half, we pulled within one, you know. So we were really close to getting that one back. Um, and the two games we've blown them out, 
like the heat never stood a chance like they were never coming back and we did this to the bucks a couple times too where we blew them out and the bucks didn't really you know they made a run to maybe 10 13 but didn't get back into it um like i think the cap for the celtics is greater than anyone in this playoffs because of how elite they can be defensively uh they're a very big long team with incredible chemistry with some elite shot makers um like i you know the warriors in terms of potency offensively can probably match that or probably greater but their combination on defense i don't think is the same so which is why we've seen some of these celtics games where celtics just blow the other team out of the water and look like the way better team it's just the consistency on on a game debate game basis um uh, but i will say i expected to go to seven you know i think the my concern is definitely that the heat have two games out of three left at home um but i think the difference maker in the series is really rob williams who seems to be able to play a game and then miss a game play a game miss a game um he just him and al horford being able to combine against bam Adebayo just seems very much necessary and his shot blocking and his rim threat on the offensive end is, is so massive um the celtics have won multiple games this playoffs without smart not to say that we don't need him because we definitely do but i i think uh yeah rob, rob is the more important factor i will say also one other thing uh tyler hero missed game four as well which i kind of forgot about which is really big i think they need him as another shot creator because it's really him lowry and butler and lowry has not looked 100 percent at all this series yeah, I'm really, really excited for Game 5 because I truly think Game 5 is a toss-up. Um, the Heat have home court advantage. Um, obviously, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with injuries and everything. But this series has just been crazy. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. A hundred times out of a hundred in a NBA playoff series, I always want to see both teams with no injuries. Like, yeah. I... Like it's such a bummer that Middleton was out this year for the Bucks, or or that you know various players are missing you know with injuries on both the Celtics and the Heat now. And like you, we didn't even mention Tatum, who like he was he played and he had a good game, but like he's not a hundred percent. He might be like ninety percent or eighty five percent, but I don't think he's a hundred percent. You know, everyone's dealing with something, and but but at the same time, it's actually made this series pretty fascinating. Just like players constantly in and out of lineups with important like important roles like Lowry didn't play earlier in the series he came back and he was making some really important shots for them when they needed it the most uh Jimmy Butler doing Jimmy Butler things but then just not playing the second half of of game three which by the way I mean we've talked we talked about it but like that was just one of the crazier games where like the Celtics got all the way to within one, right? Yeah. They were down one and then they weren't able to win. I, I mean, it's just, I don't remember seeing a game like that, you know, and, and not being able to capitalize on Jimmy Butler being out, I thought was was pretty bad. But they rebounded in game four. They were minus 300 on the, on the betting line, which without Marcus Smart, I was like, minus 300 without Marcus Smart? That seems kind of crazy. But like you said, Rob Williams does seem to be the, the bigger difference maker and i would guess that that there's going to be no more of rob williams missing games from here on out unless he re-injures you know himself but i think he's too important and these next like game five is obviously so 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 critical because 
if the Celtics can get that win and then they can go back to Boston being up 3-2, I really think that they can close that out. I agree. If they can't, then I think it's probably going seven, and you just never know what happens in a game seven, and you always want to have home court advantage, and they don't have that this year. So yep. we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm really excited for this. And obviously, as a neutral fan, as a more or less neutral fan, a game seven would be cool, but I'm ultimately also coming down a little bit with you on the Celtics side. Just, you know, A, I think they're the better team, but also I have a future on them to win the title. <laughs> so I want to cash that in. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one last thing I'll add to this is that Butler and Adebayo just have to be aggressive. They completely lost that and disappeared in game four. And I know a lot of that was we were playing really good D, um, not having Tyler Hero, not having the highest level of Kyle Lowry out there definitely played a role. But what they did in game three in that first half, I mean, out of bio the whole game, but was just absolutely incredible. They just showed out, and Jimmy obviously had almost 40 points in game one. So, like, they, they just can't disappear. You can't have your two best players disappear. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't think the Celtics have really had that. Tatum did in game three. Jalen Brown managed to have 40 in that one, but that was more about the turnovers, you know. Um, so, you know, I just think the better team is the Celtics. They have to show a little consistency, but if... Butler and Adebayo show up and Tyler Hero is healthy and there's another shot creator. You know, this this, this one's anyone's series because of these the defenses of these teams. And and one more and one last thing on this. They've already each team has already won a game on the road. Yeah. So it's not it's I think it's helpful for the Celtics, just given that game five is in Miami. It's not like they have that mental block of like, oh, maybe we can't win here. Like they've already done it. So, you know, I really think that this game is gonna be a toss up and um you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I think the Celtics are gonna win Game Five. I, I mean, I sure hope. <laughs> I think we can, <laughs> but you know, you never know. We can refer back to this on the yeah. next pod. See yeah. how right or wrong I was. <laughs> All right. So last last thing we'll touch on before we end the pod is just quick playoff check in for the NHL. Uh, we're down to eight teams, I believe. Um. So yeah, you want to start this? Yeah, sure. So on the East, uh. So quick round one recap. The Caps had a 2-1 lead. My 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 beloved Washington Capitals had a 2-1 lead against the Panthers. They ended up losing uh, in six games to the Panthers. So you hate to see it, but I'm also not surprised. And then that same Panthers team just got swept by the, yeah. the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. Unreal. Um, which I was shocked about. I mean... Everyone was shocked. You know, I think I, I'm not surprised that the Lightning won the series because they're more experienced. They've been here before. They're, they have the grit, etc. Their roster is still amazing. I'm not surprised they won the series. I'm just surprised that they swept. Yeah. Because the Panthers' offense has, was so good during the regular season. But, you know, this is this kind of stuff happens all the time. Like, there was That's that true. one year where I believe it was the Blue Jackets uh, swept tampa in the first round 4-0 that was maybe three years ago i want to say and and columbus was the eighth seed and they swept tampa so crazy stuff happens um but you know like yeah i think the lightning are pretty live to 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 win you know the east and and run it back you know to to try to go for that three-peat i think so on the other side in the east we have carolina and the rangers um and that series is currently 2-2. I expect I expect Carolina to ultimately win this series. I think 
hold on, def- one, one correction is two one. Sorry, for, two for the Canes. two one two one Canes. My bad. Um, game four is tonight, I believe. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, maybe that's just a Freudian slip of me thinking <laughs> that the Rangers might somehow win at home again. I don't know. I, I actually, I actually lean towards the Canes winning tonight. But anyways, I, I think the Canes are just the better, more like more mature a little bit older team ready for for this deep playoff run so i'm I'm hoping that they play the lightning in the conference finals because i think those are the two best teams in the east right now um yeah and then on the west we got the battle of al what 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 is it the battle of alberta what where is where is calgary and edmonton it's alberta right i yeah you might you might be right on that my my canadian knowledge is not not super great yeah neither is i think you're neither is mine um (laughs) so yeah like that that's been a fun rivalry just because it's like on the one hand you got this oilers team that is so top end talented with dry mcdavid and then like man this is crazy like evander Kane right has is on that team now mm-hmm. I think and it's just I, I think it's more about Connor McDavid like he is just take he's the best player in the world and he's taken his game to another level this this year slash this playoff run uh in that last game he was just sensational I mean he's, he's so good and I was really high on Calgary I think Calgary kind of took a big big leap the past couple of years but dude it's I feel like if somehow the Oilers can win this series like you just you have to be excited for what they have potentially against who I think will be the avalanche but just because of the top end talent on this team you know they they're so elite they can score whenever they they can do things that most people can't um and I think it's just always exciting when you have the best players in the world competing at the highest level yeah and and that's what I was going to say is like I really hope the Oilers win this series because at this point you know the Avs are now up 3-1 against the Blues that was the other series in the west and Again, crazy shit happens, but like I would be shocked if the Avs blew a three one lead. So yeah. let's just say the Avs are are in that conference final spot. Like, who wouldn't want to see McDavid versus McKinnon? Yeah. Like it that would and, and obviously Kel McCard, who's a, like an electric offensive defenseman for the for the Avalanche, is another really good player. You got Landeskog, you got Miko Rantanen, like the Avs the Avs have a great roster and, and they play so well together. But like just like those two guys, McDavid and McKinnon, as like the two young, two of the best young superstars in the league. Like I want to see that series so badly. Yeah, and, absolutely. And also, it's like it guarantees that one of those guys and their team will will be in, you know vying for a Stanley Cup. So, mm-hmm. so I'm really hoping that that happens. Um, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. The the I don't know if you've watched how much you've watched, but this Oilers Flame series has been very chippy. Like I yeah. going into it, I was like, oh, the Flames, you know, I I, I always fade the Oilers until they prove us otherwise. Kind Christ. of the same thing with with um with the the Maple Leafs who again lost in the first round <laughs> this year. That was a great series though. It was a great series, and they <clears throat> I think they took a step forward, but obviously still disappointing but mm-hmm. you know I, I i've always been that way about the oilers too it's just like i'm fading them until they prove us otherwise but you know they're up to one right now and you know this flames team I, I thought this flames team would win because of their defense um i thought they were like more well-rounded but you know the cream rises to the top and like just in the same way that like Sidney crosby was so good and took his team i guess with malkin and whatever to championships like 
maybe McDavid and Dreisaitl are just there now and it's it's happening, you know? So, um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm sort of rooting for the Oilers, but I, I do expect this series to be close. Like, I would be surprised if this ended in five. I think this goes six or seven. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if they win tonight, though, I, I can see them ending in five. It's just like, they're, you know, maybe the, that super, super talent just takes over. I, I do think, though, the Avs, I mean, the Avs have been one of the best teams all year. They're, they're my pick to win it all. However, this, I mean, I don't think I expected the Lightning to kind of ramp it back up again like they have. Like, I, I think if, you re, if you're talking title, you really got to be talking Lightning, Avs. And I guess that's maybe that's a, uh, yeah, I not agree. giving you're not giving whoever wins between Canes, Rangers, and and Oilers, Flames the credit they deserve to be in the conference finals. But those two teams have been so good in the playoffs. But the Abs specifically have just been so good all year. Uh, I think they're the two most electric teams, most firepower, best defenses. But I I just like to root against the Lightning at this point is kind of. You know, I feel like that's just wrong. <laughs> Even though I don't want them to win and they're not my pick, it's just they're so good and they found a way to turn it up. And I think that truly the reason they swept the Predator, uh, the Panthers is because of their first round series with the Leafs. I mean, the Leafs took them to seven games, challenged them super hard. Granted, no one won on the road, but that was a really hard fought series against, I think, who a lot of people thought the Leafs were going to make that step this year. Um, and I think they were just unlucky to face the Lightning in the first round. But I think that really kind of switched a gear in the Lightning, being like, okay, we're here, we're back, let's do it again. And they're doing it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, like, let's let's also acknowledge that the Leafs-Lightning series was so close, it truly could have gone either way. Absolutely. But, but to your point, like, <clears throat> nothing is more confidence-boosting or inspiring than, you know, facing that type of adversity from such a talented team like the Leafs and overcoming it, you know? And obviously sweeping a team as good as the Panthers will also build confidence. And, you know, at this point I would just be kind of surprised if, if like I could see Carolina maybe winning, uh, but, or, or I guess theoretically the Rangers who I want to talk about right now, but, but yeah, overall, I think, I think it's lightning in the East, but we'll see what happens. But what I did want to say was we do, we should just mention at least give an honorable shout out to Igor Shesterkin, the goalie on the Rangers, because We've seen this time and time again where a goalie gets super hot in the playoffs and elevates his team so much yep. to the point where they otherwise would have not had a sing- had a chance at all and and now they find themselves in the conference finals or even in the Stanley Cup finals. You know, Jonathan Quick in those legendary years with 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 the, the Kings. Kings who who at one point, you know, in that first I believe this was 2012, they were the they were the 8 seed. Yeah. And Quick was just hotter than whatever, and <laughs> hotter than lava, hotter yeah. than insert hottest thing here. Like he <laughs> yeah. was just not, he just wasn't giving up goals. And they found themselves in the finals. I think this Rangers team, you know, obviously they're down 2-1, so I'm not going to sit here and say I think they're going to win this series, you know, with confidence, but... Shesterkin is capable of standing on his head, and that's what he's been doing generally in this series. It's been a low-scoring series. Um, you know, 
they they lost game one, but they were winning. They were leading and winning game one for for the vast majority of it. Yeah, it was so, like 55, 57 minutes that game they were winning. <laughs> so they blew yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, they blew that one. But it wasn't really Shesterkin's fault. And then you know, game three the other day, he he had like a ninety eight percent save percentage. The only goal he gave up was a bit of a gaff, but yeah. but you know he made up for it by being elite when you know in in the in the even better scoring opportunities that the that the canes had so all i'm trying to say is i don't think we should rule out the rangers yet um and obviously you know if the canes win tonight and it's 3-1 with with three with the last three games you know two of them being in carolina then at that point maybe you know it's just not realistic that the rangers can win but if they're able to tie this series I really think that they have a shot to upset the Canes just with the way that Shesterkin is playing right now. So really excited no. to see what happens there. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I, you, yeah, another example is just Carey Price, but last year or two years ago, his run with the Canadiens, who Canadiens were not a good hockey team. I don't think anyone can debate that. I mean, sure, by the time playoff time came, second round, they like turned it up a notch and they really figured it out. But throughout the, the season, I think this was the pandemic season, you know, they were not good. They barely got in the playoffs and then Carey Price who you know we've seen over the years be as elite as it gets just stood on his head for four straight rounds and got them to the Stanley Cup granted they didn't win but you know I think I I totally get it you know you have Shesterkin was the best goalie in the league this year he showed up again the other night you know yeah you you can't turn you can't look away and necessarily fade someone who has the best goalie You, you just can't because that's that's what it is in playoffs time. You know, you, you just got to get scrappy, get a couple goals, win a game. That's all you got to do. And when you have the best goalie, you have give yourself the best chance to do that. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm not counting the Rangers out, but I do think the Canes are the better team. It's a tough path because, you know, then they also still have to beat the Lightning, who, speaking of good goalies, you know, Andre Vasilevsky has shown that for the last two yeah, the last absolutely. two, you know, years, and I, to be honest, like I can't even remember the last time a team won the cup that had really bad goaltending, or I don't want to say really bad, but that didn't have really Elite. good goaltending. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. every year, even with those Blackhawks years, right, with Corey Crawford, like Corey Crawford got really hot. Yeah, in in some of those years, you know, even with all the offensive talent that they had on that team. So yeah, it's going to be really fun to see how this unfolds. Um, there's a part of me that wants to go to the game tonight <laughs> but it's wait it's it's too expensive but. yeah i mean how much are tickets for hockey games i haven't been to a playoff hockey game ever i think in playoffs i would i would expect the nosebleeds to be going for a minimum of like 200 honestly because okay, it's, it's comparable to it, well yeah and like in it's also new york it could right. honestly be more than that and i'm not totally sure um but like in the regular season you can probably get nosebleeds for somewhere around 40 to 60 bucks i would say yeah um in in new york in new york yeah um, i mean that's similar to boston but in the play i mean just the playoff atmosphere like i've I've been to msg for hockey games but they haven't been rangers games they've actually been college hockey games and watching hockey or any sport at msg is just a great experience so yeah there's a part of me that wants to go tonight but i will be watching comfortably from my, my couch <laughs> yeah, yeah. while texting you uh yep. And uh, probably doing some stupid live betting or something. Cause that's, what, that's what we do when we <laughs> Sounds watch. Sounds about sports. right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that'll be it for the pod today. Um, thanks again, as always, for listening. Please like and subscribe everywhere you can. We really appreciate any support. Um, 
you know, leave a review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way. And uh, yeah, we will see you soon for some more good sports, mindfulness, mental health, and other content. So yeah, that'll be it for today. I'm Ian. So long, everybody.